Hey, it's Dave Lotan, uh, chairman of Orion Resources. Orion is a gold discovery company in Finland with uh, investments from or partnerships with three major producers, B2 Gold, Kinross, and Newmont. We're located immediately adjacent to what we think is the best undeveloped open pit discovery in Europe now, owned by Rupert Resources, uh, our neighbor and, and, and good friend. Uh, we have multiple discoveries in process on our own ground, and we think we have one of the best land packages in a newly emerging jurisdiction. Dave, good to see you, sir. Um, look, we, we caught up uh, when you were in Europe uh, back in November. Your stock's been on a, quite a run from 50 cents up to 68 cents, 70 cents. How are you doing? What, what, what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, genuinely intrigued, because most people seem to be going sideways or, or, or down um, in the current market. What's the plan? <laughs> well, uh, to be clear, Matt, we're not super proud of a 68 cent stock price. I think we, we have been uh, multiple dollars in the past. Um, and we did do uh, a small and I think somewhat humiliating capital raise at uh, 55 cents just after PDAC. <clears throat> but I guess we sacrificed a couple of uh, a couple of minor pieces to get better position on the chessboard. And at least for now, it appears to have worked. Uh, the capital was available <clears throat> and offered to us uh, by shareholders, I think, in response to our uh, new discovery of Karaselka. But, but tell me, tell me, Steve. So you're, 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 while you're choking to death, uh, <laughs> thank you. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, because where I want to get to is to try and understand the different business models employed by ingenious to get through and uh, and then get by in markets like this. Some kind of turtle up and, and kind of uh, hope that the good times come again. Some have got cash in hand and they can take advantage of that situation, or certainly got options with that situation. Um, and others. Are, again, are slightly uh, slightly out, out of control um, with you know you know how they advance advance the project sport, not just because of financial um, pressures, other pressures. So, how have you adapted, or have you adapted? Because you have got this twin parallel um, processes going on with a, uh, a JV with B two, and they've got your your own stuff that you're drilling as well. So, where do you think the valley's been insured with Well, as I think we discussed in, I guess it was December when we were last together. November. November, yeah. right, right. Late November for one-to-one. -one. I think you you can think about your business in many different ways. And I'm, we were chatting offline about Reunion, for instance, as an example, which is a beautiful discovery in Guyana. Billion shares outstanding, 50 cent stock price. Uh, maybe it's five to six million ounces now, but it's really, really a beautiful looking discovery. Uh, we've talked about Wallbridge Mining in the past, which was a great looking discovery. It had the Eric Sprott blessing. They went to a billion shares outstanding. It didn't work. Now they're a 14 cent stock. When I started working with Mike in, in 2015, Orion had 43 million shares outstanding. It was a three cent stock with some land in Finland and zero money in the bank. I wrote the first $50,000 check uh, alongside Mike. Uh, who also put that much money in so that he could take B2 out to site and pitch them on the property. And we had a JV with them by August. Fantastic guys, great partners. And then we kept writing checks because it was a five cent stock to the end of 2015. And we just didn't want to dilute the company down at those prices. Finally, we raised some money at 40 cents in 2017. Then Mike made a discovery. Then we were raising money at $2 and $1.50. And uh, so all these years later, uh, Orion has never had a share of consolidation. It's 130 million shares outstanding. It was a failed business at, let's say, 45 million shares outstanding. So we have spent 90 million shares to get a discovery at Amarusco 
what we hope will be a discovery at Carouselka, 30% of a discovery with B2 Gold at Helmi, which is enhanced in value by being immediately next to Rupert's great discovery at Ickery. We have probably $15 million worth of working capital. Some of that comes from option payments from B2 Gold. Some of that comes from the value of a vanadium property that we paid $300,000 for, spun out to Ross Beattie, and now it's worth $3 bucks, and perhaps will be worth more. Uh, and, uh, and a great land package in an emerging district. And so I can't stand having 30 million shares outstanding. Can't stand it. I can't stand the fact that we're not a $3 stock anymore. <clears throat> but this market is on the hard side of normal. And we're just going to go to work every day and continue to make sure that the torque remains in the story. I think the joint venture is worth more than the stock price. I think the existing discoveries are worth more than the stock price. I'm not going to whine about that. I'm just going to make sure Matty has the capital he needs to keep developing these things in a targeted fashion. And the shares outstanding speak for themselves. It's not bad. Well, look, look, I, look, I hear you saying, you know, if you're an Australian company, you, you kind of wouldn't P- care. push back, push, push back, Matt. But, well, I, I am going to because you yes. know that, that, that's all that's all well and good in terms of the way you're 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 looking at this because you you have a kind of profile that you want to try and meet. If you're an Australian company, you couldn't care less about the, about the share count the here. And 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 a kind of meaningful way, I, I think I think neither do I. I'm more interested in the, the, what you do, what you do. Um, in terms of the the, the corporate structure, I you guess it is this ordinance perspective to you. It's what's also important is: Are you able to raise capital in difficult markets? If yes, what does that signal to me as a retail investor? Right. And and I'm going to suggest that it signals that the institutional uh, market likes what you're doing and re- and respects your business plan. Now, so that's the bit I would like some clarity on here because obviously you did a broker and non-brokered offering um, recently. You did one back in the beginning of the year, indeed, right? So you've, you've raised a chunk of change in the last three, four, four months. What are you doing with that? Sure. And why is that the best allocation of that capital? Yeah, no, that's a good, good. That's a good specific question. So we did start the year with about twelve million dollars of working capital, and we did, I think, plan to spend. The lion's share of that capital over the course of the year. One of the most powerful options that a junior has is the option to pause and stop working if you deliver good results into a bad market, or if you deliver questionable results and you need to stand back and think. Effectively raising the $6.7 million that we did buys us the ability to pause at the end of the year and do nothing for probably a year and a half if markets are no longer supported. Uh, but uh, more than that, it also gives us the opportunity to be aggressive in drilling our own properties, which I think would be the big value driver here. So it was, uh, as I said, a positioning raise. Uh, one of our big shareholders offered us money on terms that were just barely acceptable. It ended up being about three subscription agreements. Yeah, and uh, and it and it was uh, an insurance raise. So we've done those a couple of times before. We did a five million dollar insurance raise in April of 2019. We made a new discovery in um, in July of that year, and we're raising money at $1.50 uh, for Merrick's Sprott a month after that. Uh, I'm hopeful that this year looks like that. And of course, 2019 was an awful year. We got a massive move in the gold price in June of that year, and everything went from awful to fantastic. And uh, I mean, the gold price is now down to 1930. I mean, we were looking pretty strong at 2050 for a while there, but of course, 
gold forever. Gold forever shows a leg and then disappoints. Right, but but uh, but again, but coming at your stage of advancement, right, is you're still in that exploration stage. And I think it's again, it's I would say that rules of mining, certainly precious metals, have changed over the last three four years. Not just because of 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 COVID, not because of supply chain issues, not because of quite frankly the gold price, really. Um, I'm, I'm saying that. I mean, talk about yeah, that offline if you want. But you guys tend to get valued on your ability to drill, your ability to make discoveries. You've got, um, uh, uh, um, you, 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 what have you got? You've got what, two, one discovery at the moment you, you would claim, and uh, maybe would... another one on the way. Agreed. Right? Okay, because I think Kerasolka uh, potentially potentially ha- has that feel about it right now, right? But that's what you're going to get valued on. So your ability to actually go out there and, and do those things is all you can do really at the moment. Agreed. Isn't it? Well, okay. well, I mean, as a company, and this is unusual for a prospect generator, we have made the decision to contribute to the B2 joint venture to maintain our 30% in that. And that's a use of capital that, again, is non-standard for, for a PG. And of course, we were a prospect generator. Then we became a sole risk company. That uh, met with some difficulty. And then the joint venture all of a sudden gained, gained, uh, gained value. So I think that there's two or three levers operating here. Uh, and, and let's go in order. Uh, Rupert has this fantastic discovery. I think Rupert's in play. It's a very well-valued company. I think BlackRock put some money into the last financing. That's exactly what happened before Great Bear got sold. James is running a fantastic... Uh, James has, has, has run it as well as it can be run. They're great guys. They're doing great work. So there is the possibility that we see something happening there, and perhaps that will, that, that will have uh, spillover effects to the rest of the district. Then there is the Helmi Discovery uh, on its own and that property package. B2's last drilling was 30 kilometers away from Helmi. Uh, in the world of exploration, that is, uh, that is a step out of a step out of a step out. But they want to prove that it's a district and they want to prove that, it, that it, it, it's going to have more than one elephant. And right now, Ikari is the elephant. Uh, and, and so that's a driver. And then thirdly, and most importantly, uh, the driver is Risty and our own discovery at Amorusco, which got difficult and too expensive. And now this potential new discovery at Karaselka, which is the fruit of years of base of till work, years of scout drilling, uh, and really, really taking the programs right back to square one painfully after losing Mike and, and COVID. Let, let, let's just talk about that, that, that second arm, the, the BT component. And you, uh, for people new to the story and people, you know, new to, you know, finish uh, gold mining, et cetera, let's just talk about some of the nuances that you're referencing our river resources. I guess the darling of the stock market for the last couple of years in terms of new discoveries and, and, and generating value, like it's kind of similar to the kind of Great Bear situation. Um, you know, lots of ounces um, discovered quite cheaply, and they're just next door to you guys. So, so please explain what you think may be going on. I'm not asking you to talk about specifics about what M&A will and won't happen. I'm just saying, how does something like that get played, and how does that reflect on your project? Because they've built something, something quite big. You're at the start of that process. How could it benefit a company like yours? 
Well, stepping back for a moment, I think what's interesting about Lapland, where there was really nothing going on outside of Agnico's mine for years, and they bought that from Ritter Hidden in, let's say, 2005, it's the biggest gold mine in Europe, super profitable given low tax rates and uh, the skill of the working force there, uh, the skill of the labor force, I should say. Um, and then uh, we made our armor's good discovery in 17, and then Rupert made a much better discovery in 2020 at Icarie. And I think uh, there... Speed with which it developed, 36,000 meters, 18 months, 4 million ounces. Fantastic. Of course, it's very close to the boundary line of our property with B2 Gold. And, uh, and it arrived at, at, at this, it arrived with B2 already right beside them, with Agnico owning 14% of Rupert and with Kinross owning 9.9% of us and, of course, Newmont. Uh, has a just a, under a three percent stake in us, so it arrives in a brand new camp with nothing going on other than you know Europe's biggest gold mine thirty kilometers away, but with four majors already at the site of the discovery, and I think there was the thought process uh, that B two Gold would think of their Helmi discovery and Icarus discovery as being part of the same system, and maybe if Helmi had discovered more, it had developed more quickly. Uh, maybe maybe B2 would have taken over Rupert and not Sabina. Uh, and I think their takeover of Sabina probably doesn't rule Rupert out at some point in the future. Maybe when it's further along. I mean, Sabina was permitted. They already went through their Annus Horribilis when the you know they 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 lost their their permit to the Bathurst herd, the caribou herd. And Bruce had to deal with all that stuff. He had to raise capital from the Chinese. He had to take uh, it all the way to the point of pre-stripping. He'd driven a ramp in. Uh, he had $50 million of working capital. So what B2 got was something that is really ready to go. And they've built Arctic gold mines in the past. Uh, they did a great job with Juliet uh, when they were Bima. They've proven they can operate in those rugged environments. And generally what stories like Sabina need are working capital. You only get one sea lift some years up there, and so you need two or three times uh, the inventory that you would require a regular operation. And Bruce, I don't think, enjoyed trying to find that much capital every year. So you take B2, you plug in a great cost of capital, a great operator to a project that's ready to go, and it probably gets, it probably advances far more quickly than other people, uh, than the market, I should say, thinks that it will. And then the stock has performed well since the acquisition. That's not typical. So maybe B2 is ready for something else uh, when Rupert's a little, a little further advanced. I don't know. Of course, Ignico is in country. They own 14% of it. And I think that it's just an interesting staring contest at the moment. And I guess I'd, I'd leave it there. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I'm trying, again, I, you know, my, my mind's wandering into what's the kind of flip, flip side of that. Um, what, again, advantages for you, but maybe one for another day. And um, fine. So, so we get we're getting a better sense of you know how you're playing this market. You've got the capital now to, to do that, but you've also been asked kind of step up to be able to write a big check. You, you know, you we're talking about thirty thirty percent okay. um, to you know still stay at the table um, here in, in terms of their intentions for the rest of BTs, intentions for the rest of this year. Have have they? Because big, even the big guys do, you know, change their minds in, in markets like this and get focused on, yeah, you know, what's important in their portfolio. Have, has anything changed there with with their JV with you? 
in terms of either scaling down or scaling up? Well, I, I really think that a 30 kilometer step out <clears throat> and taking valuable drill steel, you know, that, that, that was, was pretty hard to get in, in Finland and putting it all the way over at Sonoma uh, speaks to their their long-term view of the property that it will yield more discoveries. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't, I suppose, great for us. Had they hit, let's say, 30 meters to two grams at Sinai, it would be a new discovery. I think it would be very impactful to both of us. But what it is is smoke, not fire. Uh, and um, and I don't think that they would be running those kinds of, of very speculative programs if they didn't have a longer view of the area. That being said, and I'm getting to your question, They've just taken over Sabina. They're going to focus on that, I think, for most of the next 12 months. And I think that while this joint venture is going to continue to get substantial investment from them, I I don't I think next year will be will be um, uh, it won't be it won't be as much in focus. Right. Okay. Interesting. And when, what does that mean for you in terms of optionality for you? Because it, you, you you have an agreement, right? So. Nothing, nothing changes unless they turn around to say, "Well, I, I, you know, guys, we love what we're doing here, but we just committed a whole bunch of cash over here." Sure. Um, yeah, bless up a talk, right? So sure. No indications of that. No, right? no, no. And then, and so they went. You know, they were putting in a couple million dollars a year. Then the discovery happened at Ickery. Then it was a five million dollar investment. <laughs> we were still carried at that point in time. Then the next year it was ten U.S. And the next year it was ten U.S. And we're writing pretty big checks to stay pro rata there. Uh, you always worry that if a discovery develops quickly, uh, that they're going to put 20 or 30 in, and then you've got to write a check for 10. I think, and I, I wouldn't want to say with certainty, but I think that's off the table for next year. I would expect a similar level of investment, maybe slightly less, uh, but um, I guess I could be surprised. Okay, fine. So for you, clearly... And I'm jumping back from JV over into the bits that you're you're in control of. In terms of your um, your drill programming allocation of capital, there uh-huh. um, ne- next year is a bunch of decisions which will be predicated on what happens on on the JV. Sure, I suspect e- either way, you feel there's value, accretive value to, from, compared to where you are now in a normal market where people are paying attention. I think I think I think that thirty percent interest in that property is a very interesting asset because with it comes a rofer on B2's portion. If they ever decide they want to sell out, uh, they can try to get a bid, but then we would get to match that and buy it. And uh, with it also comes consent. If they want to slice off a piece of the land package, for instance, and sell it to Rupert, we would have to consent and then we would get 30% of the proceeds for that. So uh, there's very good reasons to try to stay at 30% there, provided the capital doesn't come at too high a price. Now, we were a company that was the sensation of the markets in 2017 with our Almarusco discovery. Maybe we're on the verge of that again at Karaselka. I don't know. The probability... What's it going to take? Well, how, how do you define it, Dave? Because I get people come on here and go, I drilled one hole, we've made a discovery. I'm like looking at them and going, are you nuts? <laughs> because... Because it's you know that's a, a little bit early in, in, the, in the game. So for yeah. you, it sounds like you're hedging, hedging your bets a little bit. You, you, you're encouraged, but you're not claiming a discovery yet. What's it going to take for you to do that? Well, I think we try to be the guys who don't wave our arms about something that isn't going to be significant. 
as you know, I put probably on average a million bucks, a million and a half bucks a year of my own dough into the company. I do it all through the stock market. And a, a run in the stock isn't going to help me. I need this thing. Uh, I need this thing to develop valuable assets that can be sold. I'm going to be the last guy out of the trench. Got to get everybody else out first, and then I'll get to go finally on the last day. And so uh, we are designed to run programs that that quickly dismiss prospects that are going to consume money and create no value, and move on quickly to projects that are going to create value. Amorusco is really valuable, but it was seven hundred dollars a meter. It was problematic to drill. Maybe a two dollars a share, you'd keep investing in it. Um, and and then the Ikari discovery indicated to us that there were potentially far easier, more efficient deposits to be found. But we were going to have to spend probably a substantial amount of time going back to square one to look for them. Maybe we're on to one. 56 meters of two and a half grams, 2.4 grams is equivalent to the Ikari discovery hole, which was 54 meters of a gram and a half, or the Helmi discovery hole, which was 52 meters of 1.8. Here's the problem, and it's not a big problem, but Karaselka had been drilled by the GTK and it had been drilled by tertiary minerals. There were 127 shallow holes drilled there to about 50 meters vertical depth and 70 meters length on average. So if you put a slide up and you show all the drill results, it looks like it's been pin cushioned. Maddie looked at the old data and came up with a new idea. He drilled down to 200 meters depth, 230, I think, and hit something that we think is new. And certainly this six meters to 17 grams in this breccia unit is very new. And it's the missing ingredient at Helmi, to be frank. That's what drives all the grade for Ikari or these breccia units, uh, where you, you don't necessarily have visible gold, but you've got beautiful disseminated gold. So that's there. Uh, and the issue was uh, we, given the amount of drilling that had happened, didn't want to have any of those conversations where we used the word but over and over again. So we drilled it. We think it's significant. We weren't going to try to talk the market into believing that we just found a cherry in some old prospect. We just decided we better go drill it again. And so that's in progress now. And it's a, an elating and a terrifying experience all at the same time. Because I, I think we think we're finally on something new. But as you know, orogenic gold can be tricky. I watch Merlin, Merlin's uh, chats all the time with some of these great discoveries. And you start to talk about plunging shoots and odd geometries. And even Ikari, you could drill a hole right through the middle of it and get a lucky and hit nothing. So we raised that extra $6.7 million to give Maddie the opportunity to go ahead and, and get more drill holes into it, give them the opportunity to miss a couple of times, but still find it if it's there. Okay. So in so simple terms for people, so what are we talking in terms of meter, meters drilled, depths, and holes, and what's the timing on actually understanding what's there? We'll take a break at the end of June, which means we'll probably have drilled another 3,000 meters into it by then. Uh, Everyone goes on holiday in July during, uh, sorry, in in, uh, in Scandinavia in July. So we'll take a break then. We'll get the assays back. We'll put them out in public domain. If it looks like we have a discovery, we'll put more drills on it in uh, August and September, and uh, 
and and we'll we'll just go to guns. Okay. And then leaving leaving you at the end of the year with how much cash? Uh, we probably have about as much as we raised. So we raised six point seven, and that was meant to give us this cushion uh, to get us deep into the next year. Okay. Okay. Well, is it like if if you may, um, if you've got a couple of minutes, I just want to talk to you about what's going on in the market. I kind of referenced it earlier. I think the normal rules don't seem to be applying at the moment. You you clearly got a very strong gold price. Okay, back down at nineteen thirty, you know, down a hundred bucks from two weeks ago. Okay. Not that it'd been there for that long. Um, you know, it should be a good environment for uh, majors. There seems to be, you know. A bit of M and A happening out there. Some pretty, pretty big deals happening out there, and they seem to be getting it on the cheap. Yeah, because valuations that they're picking up now compared to their their their, their normal buying prices um, okay. are okay. actually rolled the kids. Yeah, what what, what, do you, what do you see happening out there? Do you see a lot a lot more M and A. I do, uh, but the problem for the juniors at the moment is the majors are still concentrating. So with Newmont taking over Newcrest, it's a sixteen billion dollar acquisition, a big company. A very big company taking over a big company. Unfortunately, that's going to put some inventory on the block. Uh, on the conference call, I think they talked about Ontario and Quebec being for sale. So that would be the, the old Timmins Porcupine Complex. I mean, just think of the discoveries there. Borden Lake, which Goldcorp paid $500 million for um, only maybe in the last eight years. Oil Pond, a beautiful asset, probably worth as much as Richmond was worth, which uh, Alamos bought for a billion dollars. I think Eleanor is probably for sale. I think maybe the Suriname assets, maybe Yanacocha in Peru is for sale, and maybe even all of Africa. So when the big guys are getting together and creating surplus inventory, which is going to make whole new companies, juniors have a lot to compete with. That being said, when trophy assets trade, they trade at fantastic prices. So Malartic, uh, which you can now isolate because when Yamana was taken over by Pan American and, and Igniko, it was for Malartic, uh, at least for from Igniko's standpoint, $3 billion price tag with a 5% royalty on it. Extraordinary. Um, what else uh, would be a great? Oh, well, sorry. What about Sumitomo investing for another 10% of Cote Lake? Maybe doing a favor to their partner, I am gold, but they they did that at a plus three billion dollar valuation. So the good assets, uh, the Great Bears, the Cote Lakes, the Malartics are still trading for fantastic prices. But then you see these smaller projects that struggle to find an audience. I think Amex is a great example. I love Victor and I love Kelly. It's a beautiful discovery. Probably shouldn't be a hundred and eighty million dollar company. But everything in Quebec now is under the thumb of Agnico. I mean, El Dorado's there, but they're just sort of there. It's great to see Goldfields buying into uh, the windfall project with Osisco. But really, for all intents and purposes, the company that can buy and will buy in Quebec is Agnico. And that, that it's never good to have really a one bidder situation. So it depends on where you're located. It depends on what you've got. Really high quality assets are, I think, a bit inexpensive at the moment. Uh, if they're if they're not very well located, and and then if you've got something really big, you know, Rupert, obviously, you know, I mean, it's it's regularly a billion dollar company, uh, and has been that way for years. Uh, and uh, you know, reunion in, in Guyana, we talked about a couple in Snowline up in the Yukon. I mean, that's a beautiful looking discovery. 
$400 million market cap. So, I mean, it's, it's a normal market. Good things trade at good values. Great things trade at very good values. And if great things traded at great values, it would be hard for them to get bought. And obviously, Great Bear managed to defy that, uh, as did Malartic. So do you, do you think that developers are slightly more attractive than explorers at the moment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's, lo- it's a loaded question. I mean, me. <laughs> I, 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 look at, I look at Liberty Gold, um, very, very nice assets, but they're sort of in that bottom of the Lausanne curve, grinding through, looking for environmental permits, going through the process. Gold Standard Ventures was an $800 million market cap at one point in time. $4 stock when it got on GDXJ and it got taken over for 47 cents by Orla. Not a great end to a story which had been, you know, the new sensational last window on the Carlin trend in Nevada. Uh, Integra, I mean, George is a fantastic guy. That's a very interesting story, but now they've had to merge with Millennial, which I think was a good idea. Um, so, the why, why was it a good idea? Tell me that. It's not, not everyone understands why that happened and how it's interpreted. They were stuck and they effectively made a deal with their large shareholders to come together in return for capital at a, at a in a quantum and at a price that they could not separately have raised. And so it, it didn't in and of itself create something that is more saleable because the assets are too far apart, but it did accomplish capital in a good quantum at a good price and it increased the option set or the flexibility for management going forward. And sometimes that's the best you can do. No, I, I, I thought I thought it made a lot of sense um, if for both for both both of them. And, and I expected to see a lot more of of this. And, and we have seen one, one one or two of these, but I expect to see a lot more. Yeah, we don't coming down the line. We, we don't have that. We don't have that. It's hard. We don't have that lion in the middle that that we we all hope will emerge and threaten the majors, threat to scoop up projects that the majors would would like to have, but are being uh, are being too clever to bid for. And I thought Tahoe under Kevin MacArthur would be that company that had taken over Rio Alto, they had taken over Sullivan, they had taken over Lakeshore Gold. And then the Guatemalan assets, which were the only things really making meaningful cash flow, were expropriated or put out of commission far too early, and they ended up being roadkill for Pan American Silver. Um, I thought Equinox, Ross Beatty's new company, might be the line in the middle. Uh, they took over Trek Mining, and they took over Castle Mountain, and they took over Premier Gold, but they're not quite getting the cash flow that they're looking for from those assets yet, and uh, now the market needs to see them digest the Ontario assets, get them to cash flow, and then maybe that will be the line in the middle that will that will threaten the majors and cause this sort of orgy. But that's you know, and, and for a while maybe you thought it was going to be SSR mining, you know, and then they took over Alistair, and you know that was a really interesting merger and a big bite. So it's going to happen, you know, when you think about Kinross as it is today, it was a merger of a bunch of ratty old companies, TBX in Brazil, Ike Batista's company. Echo Bay, which was running out of ore in, in the Arctic, and uh, and Kinross, which was just um, Fort Knox, the Alaskan asset, and then Bima and and uh, Redback, and so I don't. Un- unfortunately, at the moment, we need to see that champion, that middle market champion, come together uh, and begin to stir up some trouble. And I'm not sure with Yamana gone, 
with I am gold sort of self-immolating, Argonaut, the same thing. I'm not sure who that's going to be. It will happen, but hard to spot at the moment. It is, it is it's hard to spot at the moment, but I, I was really kind of I'm trying to understand because you've got developers who seem to be meaningfully undervalued at the moment, yes, because the whole market is kind of, you know, in, in, the, in the throes of you know, some violent confusion as to what, uh-huh. what investing should look like. Um, yeah. And there's, was there, is there anything from the past that we can utilize? And it doesn't seem to be, something to be that is because these developers are significantly undervalued, but obviously meaningfully advanced along that de-risk uh-huh. curve that they've got to go through, whether they're, you know, you know, yeah, just early stage developers or master developers um, versus sure. the much riskier, you know, pre-discovery exploration okay. stories where you you can make a big, you get a lot of leverage if you if you pick the right one. When, you, right? when you've defined your upside, when you've done your studies, uh, people stop having faith that there's more. So it's a very risky path to go down. And obviously James is defying gravity at the moment now because Rupert's still an $800 million company. You know, Gold Standard Ventures was a multi-hundred million dollar company. Maybe it was when it got taken over with pollution. Maybe that was the problem. Liberty, very interesting company with very interesting assets. Uh, and, and what's also interesting, I think, and noteworthy is a couple of the great development stories have gone all the way to production now and supported by investors and not strategic investors. And so that's Silvercrest in Mexico. What a great story. Eric uh, Eric uh, Fryer and his daughter Rosie, with the help of Chris Ritchie, getting it all the way across the line. It was a beautiful discovery. We've all forgotten about it now. It was a 15 cent stock with an incredible discovery with relatively low capital intensity, sub 200 million. And now it's a producer and it's a you know billion dollar market cap. And maybe they're going to be the consolidator. Adriatic, another great example. Oh my God. I mean, I, I looked at it and I thought, I mean, I love it and I love the metallurgy, but it's in such a difficult part of the world. But Paul Cronin has it almost all the way there. They're going to go into production soon and it's maybe a $700 million market cap uh, and, and maybe not even that much. I, I, I don't have that one off the top of my head. Every time I meet them, I'm just so impressed by them. Um, but I mean, you know, right in the middle of the Balkan powder keg, they managed to raise all this money from traditional investors and get it to production. So we're actually in a much healthier market uh, than the average junior might uh, perceive. And I mean, I, I don't enjoy doing this for a living. My involvement with Orion was a friendly thing, uh, and now it's become almost a career. Uh, but uh, this market is pretty good. And, and every year we see something terrible. Every quarter we see something terrible happen to a producing company like First Quantum in Panama, losing billions of dollars of market cap, uh, getting in a squall with a country. You and I talked about what's gone on recently in Chile with the threatened nationalization of a whole bunch of lithium deposits. Peru is a very tough place to work now. And I know that the privates there, Minsur and Casapelca, are trying to get money out and get into other projects around the world. Same with Hochschild, uh, which had a awful, I mean, their solution to their problems in Peru was to buy Amarillo in Brazil. Crazy. Uh, so there's capital out there, or there are uh, public mining companies out there that are desperately in need of reserve replacement. Fortuna, 
I mean, they bought, it's, it was a Mexican silver company and it bought Rocks Gold in Burkina Faso, potentially for its assets in Cote d'Ivoire. I mean, uh, and you know, now they've just bought Chesser. So, um, okay. It's selling May and go away and things are a little bit tough right now, but I think, I think we're, we're in an okay market. You just have to produce quality. You have to produce value. And a bit of patience. <laughs> well, mine's been enormous uh, so far, but uh, I... You've got the biggest patience, some would say. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, some, some would say that about modesty and me, but there we go. <laughs> right. I would... <laughs> um, lovely to catch up with you. I love our chats because it, it kind of covers the, covers the basis with, with certainly when it comes to the market and your knowledge uh, for sure. Um, and also nice to sort of see the fact you've been able to go out, you know, attract money, the right sort of money at that and be, you know, be in charge of what you're allocating that uh, for and not, not just purely at the behest of your JV partner. So, um, Dave, as always, brilliant catch up. Uh, stay in touch and let us know how you get on. Okay. Certainly with those drill results. Thanks so much, Matthew. I really enjoy these conversations.